Hi everyone, and welcome back to the China and the Americas podcast. Today we're going to be talking about monetary economics in the Caribbean, and I'm bringing this up now because I realize that there are a lot of conversations in DC or London or even Beijing where we discuss the economic potential and growth of the Caribbean, but in a very superficial way. And I think one of the pervasive problems is actually money of the Caribbean. But this is pretty much mostly talked about in monetary symposiums and not in foreign policy conversations. But today we're going to be joined by Dr. Delawaro, who is the former governor of the Central Bank of Barbados and a current member of the Financial Policy Council of the Bermuda Monetary Authority. Dr. Waro is easily the foremost authority in the Caribbean on these very issues, and it is his second appearance. On the podcast, he was the very first guest I interviewed back in 2020, I believe. <laughs> so,、uh, sit back and we're going to have a very nice conversation on monetary policy in the Caribbean. Hi, Doctor Warrell, and thank you for joining us again for the second time. My pleasure. Uh, uh, My pleasure. Rashid, happy to be on the program.、Uh, uh, 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 so, uh, I'm here in Panama, and we use the U.S. dollar as our main currency. I go to the ATM, and we take out U.S. dollars. I sit in an Uber, and we discuss currency in USD. Even today, I spoke with an Uber driver, and he was asking my home country, Barbados, and he asked me what our currency was. I told him the Barbados dollar. And he asked why. He was he couldn't understand why a country Barbados size even has its own currency. So I'm wondering why do Caribbean countries even have their own currency, given their very small size? The answer, Rashid, is that it is a, a historical legacy. So you are very privileged uh, in Panama uh, to be able to go. Uh, to the ATM and to withdraw a currency、uh, which is used universally everywhere around the world. So the analogy I draw uh, between uh, Panama, which uses the U.S. currency, uh, is uh, with uh, a country which has its own language, a small country which has its own language.、Uh, in a paper I wrote some time ago, I、uh, cited、uh, the Welsh language, which is, as you know, has been revised. Right, uh, so uh, nobody speaks only Welsh, uh, because if you only speak Welsh, you can't really benefit from the vast knowledge and communication with the rest of the world.、Mm-hmm. You also have to have English, and it is the same in Barbados. The Barbados dollar is of very limited usefulness because it is only、um, a legal tender and only、uh, useful, only acceptable、uh, in the confines of、uh, Barbados, the 166 square miles of this island.、Mm-hmm. Uh, there is very little that we actually uh, uh, produce in this island that we actually that actually supports、uh, the lifestyle. That we enjoy. So the way that we uh, uh, drive our economies is through intercourse with the international economy. We sell mainly tourism services, other services,、uh, as well as a few specialized products, and with the foreign exchange that we earn, not the Barbados dollars, 
the U.S. dollars that we earn, then we buy all the uh, goods, services, uh, construction materials, everything that we need to sustain economic activity in Barbados. So those of us who only have access uh, to uh, Barbados uh, currency are in the position of a Welshman who only speaks Welsh. <laughs> they probably are none of those. Uh, because, uh, you know, the useful language, really, it's a matter of pride to have your own currency, uh, but the useful money is U.S. dollars. And it is so it is the fact that uh, 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 even barbarians who take pride in their own currency uh, would much prefer to be in the position of Panamanians uh, who can go to an ATM and withdraw not a local currency which is of limited usefulness, but a currency which has international um, value. So what do you think would be a good alternative? As, of course, dollarization is probably the, the short answer, but do you think that goes too far? Not at all. Uh, I think that the facts speak for themselves. Uh, and if you compare uh, Panama's performance uh, over the last three to four decades, as I have done in a paper uh, which is available on my website, uh, you will find I ha- as a paper uh, which compares performance of, uh, sorry, which advocates uh, the use of uh, the U.S. dollar as the common currency for uh, all the small Caribbean countries. Uh, in that paper, I compare the performance of, uh, of Panama with p- countries, I believe, in Central America, uh, neighbors of Panama, which have their own currencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the, per- the performance is, is better than any of the neighbors, and it is also better than the average for the whole of Latin America. So, you know, uh, and, you know, that's not only because of the currency, but clearly, Having not having your own currency is not a disadvantage uh, to uh, Panama. And I think that it can be argued that it is an advantage because uh, so long as you have your own currency, uh, since your or any small economy, not just Barbados, uh, depends mainly on, uh, as I said, the terms on which it can exchange its products and services uh, for the rest of the world, a devaluation of the local currency actually uh, uh, reduces the spending power of all the citizens who uh, have uh, who, who earn and have saved money in foreign exchange. Uh, so if that devaluation is persistent and takes place over time, as has been the case uh, in uh, uh, Jamaica, Guyana, and the majority of Latin American countries, uh, it actually erodes and sometimes destroys completely the value of your savings in local currency. And okay, it causes but, but let, let's, let's pull, push that one a bit further. Because, for example, I would mention that point to people in the US and different pulse circles, but then they would say, but the IMF still says it's a good idea. So if it is so clearly a bad idea, why does the IMS still advocate for devaluation of currency when they do their Article 4 consultations? I don't know the answer to that. You have to ask the IMF because, it, <laughs> I mean, 
all, all economic theory as well as uh, uh, common experience uh, demonstrates that uh, um, uh, the uh, that you know a currency devaluation uh, has absolutely no benefit for a small open economy. So okay, so could you? Step by step explain what happens So you're saying in case of Jamaica Jamaica has its own currency And obviously imports things But then the IMF says You need to devalue your currency For some fiscal end Step by step What happens to the accounts of the country? I, I think it is actually unfair to say That the IMF recommends devaluation uh, The IMF uh, uh, adheres to uh, a, a, a a policy prescription, uh, which uh, uh, can have, uh, which I think is doubtful for any currency uh, mm. country, uh, but which, if it is applicable at all, is applicable only for very large countries uh, like the US or China. Uh, and that is to say that uh, you can increase the competitiveness of your uh, exports uh, by a devaluation because the devaluation will make uh, your products uh, less expensive uh, to people who are buying them, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The reason I say that is is transparently not the case Mm -hmm. uh, for, say, Barbados is that what do what are the products that we sell? What are the services that we sell? It's mainly tourism, right? Two thirds of our foreign exchange comes from uh, tourist services of one kind or another, uh, and those are all sold uh, in U.S. dollars. So a devaluation of the of the of the Barbados dollar has absolutely no effect on the receipts that we get uh, from tourist services. So the the basic uh, premise uh, of uh, the notion of adjusting the exchange rate, the, the 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 exchange rate of your currency in order to make your uh, uh, exports more competitive uh, uh, is does not hold any water uh, in the case of small open economies. And I, I have to say that you know recent uh, research which. Uh, is coming out of the, uh, when I say recent, over the last uh, decade or more, uh, um, you know, uh, supports that view. Uh, uh, the the unfortunate thing is that uh, with the IMF that uh, its practice uh, tends to uh, sort of lag uh, well behind uh, its own uh, uh, theoretical uh, the the output of its own research department. So you were at the Central Bank of Barbados in the nineties, well, eighties and nineties, when Barbados was going through a pretty substantial economic crisis. And in that crisis, one of the things that the IMF had recommended, I think, was a devaluation of the currency. But the central bank and government decided that was not going to happen, and you negotiated a way to do some other fiscal reforms. Uh, could you could discuss more about what happened in that instance? Yes, uh, and uh, that uh, the lesson there is quite general for small open economies. Uh, so uh, the the way that. Um, 
be, if you if you say if you if you start by uh, uh, with the proposition uh, that if you are uh, going to maintain a local currency, you have to uh, be able to uh, maintain its value in U.S. dollars, right? Uh, then you have to say, how do you do that? You do that through having an adequate supply of foreign exchange reserves at the central bank. Now, one of the things that uh, people, uh, the general, that is not sufficiently stressed is the difference between foreign reserves and foreign earnings, mm. right? So most of the money that uh, Barbados earns from tourism and other and exports and other uh, transfers, etc., uh, most of those that foreign currency that comes into Barbados needs to go back out because it is the money that we use to buy all the imports of everything uh, that are in daily consumption uh, in Barbados, from the fuels to the to consumer goods to food and everything else. Because even the things that uh, we produce here uh, because we are a relatively affluent country by world standards, uh, there are very few of them that we can produce at prices that are affordable to the ordinary Barbadian. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is always possible to import things that are of better quality at lower prices. Okay, uh, so uh, uh, foreign uh, earnings are destined to uh, come in to fuel economic activity in the country, to supply, uh, to, to, to provide jobs and, and, and incomes and so on, so that when those incomes are spent, uh, they uh, uh, provide, uh, they, they, we have the means by which uh, to restock our supermarket selves, uh, to buy fuel for our cars, etc., etc., Foreign reserves now are what you put aside for the rainy day. So uh, you want to make sure that out of your earnings, you put aside a, 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 a modest amount uh, so that if there is an unexpected uh, uh, decline in your earnings, you are not immediately required to make adjustments. Okay, uh, and that is what that is this distinction between foreign earnings and foreign reserves. So you don't want to keep to put the majority of what you earn in foreign in in, in the reserves because the reserves, uh, think about it, uh, are. Um, so the central bank gets uh, the the the, the um, uh, foreign currency for, for for the reserves, and what does it do for, for it? Is it? It isn't in U.S. dollars that we hold in a vault. It is invested uh, with uh, the U.S. government through the Federal Reserve of New York. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, think about it. What uh, a small country like Barbados is doing is taking a proportion of the foreign uh, uh, income that it has earned over time 
and that it needs for its own consumption and also for uh, investment purposes. It has to take a proportion of that. And instead of investing it locally to create additional capacity and so on, it has to lend it back to the United States, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it does that so that it is able to, if there is a deficiency uh, in the uh, supply of foreign currency uh, because of COVID or something else, uh, it is able to maintain uh, the uh, spending the local spending by drawing down on those reserves. But obviously, if you keep drawing down on the reserves, you will soon run out and you will then not be able to defend the currency. Uh, so what you have to do when you have uh, a, a situation as we had in, in, in 1991 and we also had again in 2013 and, and most recently uh, in uh, 2017-2018, you have to uh, then take measures if to uh, adjust the spending on imports uh, adjust down the spending on imports so that it balances out with the new reduced level of earnings of foreign currency, mm-hmm. right? So the reserves are your temporary uh, plug so that you can then uh, uh, make more permanent uh, 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 corrections uh, to bring your external situations back in balance. So the critical thing, uh, element in the reserves, it was critical in in, in 1991, uh, it was critical in 2013, again critical in 2018. The critical thing is you have to adjust your fiscal uh, strategy. You have to take uh, spending power out of the economy through increasing taxation, reducing government expenditures, or a combination of both of those, so that it brings the total spending power in the in the country to something which can be afforded with the new lower level of foreign currency. You have to keep on doing that until you can build back up. Uh, your foreign earnings. So that was what the Barbies government pushed in 91, but that was not what was advised initially, or was that uh, misreading something? Uh, Yes. So the IMF, because of the error uh, in the uh, perception of the uh, power of uh, uh, exchange rate adjustment, uh, which, as I said, is an error which still persists in there in the thinking of the people who actually devise the strategies, uh, although that has changed uh, in the thinking of the people who are actually thinking about these things. So because of that, uh, uh, they still persist the notion that you can minimize the amount of fiscal adjustment that you have to do by taking part of the hit through a devaluation. Mm, I see. And the reason that that doesn't work is, 
a devaluation does in fact reduce uh, 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 the uh, spending and the capacity to import, but it does so uh, in uh, uh, through uh, you know a substantial increase in domestic inflation, right? And what that does is then it provides an incentive for what is called capital flight. That is, people say, you know, I have to protect, you know, myself against inflation. Uh, so I have to get my hands on, on U.S. dollars. So you'll find that uh, in countries which have devalued their currency, anybody who has access to U.S. dollars finds ways of making, uh, uh, of, of saving in U.S. dollars uh, so that they have access uh, to the goods and services which they will need uh, to import. Could you walk through maybe some more detail the mechanics of this domestic inflation? I think it's probably not going to be clear to some people. Right. Uh, so... Uh, it's not that it's not complicated, really. I mean, if you're importing everything uh, that uh, uh, you know you need uh, for, to, for to run the economy uh, on an ongoing basis, uh, all of that is priced in U.S. dollars. So automatically, the instant that you uh, devalue the local currency, the prices immediately go up by uh, the uh, exact amount by which you have devalued. And depending on, you know, how unscrupulous people are and so on, they may actually go up by more. Uh, and it, what it also does is it has the adverse effect of actually uh, um, uh, reducing effectively uh, the inflows of foreign currency because the effect of the capital flight, the effect of people uh, looking to move funds out of uh, local currency into foreign currency uh, means that people hoard whatever foreign, uh, foreign currency there is. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there is even less foreign currency available to buy things than there would have been without the devaluation. Mm -hmm. So one of, as we mentioned before, dollarization, meaning the replacement of the local currency with the U.S. dollar, in, in this case, U.S. dollar, would mm -hmm. be achieved by, again, getting rid of the domestic currency. But that, what would that mean for the central bank? Uh, the central bank would, still, would no longer need uh, to, hold, uh, to lend money to the, to the U.S. government. <laughs> uh, it is as simple as that. Um, uh, so, you know, there's no currency, there's no local value currency to, 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 to defend. Uh, and therefore, uh, you don't need foreign reserves. Uh, so, and, and the central bank would still be able to, um, uh, um, and, and, and the other thing is that even if you have a local currency, if that currency is pegged to the U.S. dollar, the central bank has very limited scope uh, for any type of monetary policy, right? So uh, if, the, if it tries to use uh, uh, limits on, on things like uh, credit and 
uh, and so on, uh, uh, people eventually, uh, not just individuals, but institutions, fi- find ways of evading that. Uh, uh, in a more sophisticated system, uh, where the central bank uh, uh, tries to uh, intervene in the local uh, uh, treasury bill and bond markets in order to uh, influence uh, the interest rate. Uh, anytime that the local rate moves uh, too far out of uh, sync uh, with the U.S., uh, the corresponding U.S. rate, if the local treasury bill rate, for example, raises too much uh, be, uh, beyond uh, the U.S. Treasury bill rate, there's an incentive for people uh, to switch uh, into local currency uh, for their borrowing, even though they will still uh, uh, prefer uh, U.S. dollars for their saving, right? Because if there's a possibility of devaluation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are flat, uh, so money will flow in. So the, the government is going to raise, so, so the central bank, uh, raises interest rates mm-hmm. when it wants to reduce the amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what will happen is on, on the contrary, uh, if the, if everything else is credible, uh, money will actually flow in to take advantage of the higher interest rate, right? So there will be no reduction in the money. Uh, conversely, if the central bank lowers interest rates in, a, in an effect, in, a, in an effort to increase the money supply, and it lowers it too too low, uh, then uh, the money will flow back out. Uh, so uh, it won't have the desired effect of increasing the money supply anyway. So uh, when you put all that together. Uh, central banks uh, in small open economies have very limited uh, scope for monetary policy. They can, uh, there is some margin because the, the interest rates are not uh, sort of uh, continuous. So there may be a margin of, you know, 500 basis points or even uh, uh, not, not as many as five points, sorry, 50 basis points or so, uh, maybe a hundred, uh, uh, on either side of the U.S. treasuries, uh, that the central bank can, can, can play with, uh, depending on what the local borrowing situation is. Uh, but nothing beyond that. But the central bank in these small economies, what they have been doing is government lending, which is, you know, not necessarily monetary policy, but it's some fiscal mm-hmm. policy mm-hmm. substitution or, or in some cases a fiscal lead in the monetary policy. Uh, wh- actually, what happens in that process? Because right now people colloquially say, oh, it's a lot of money printing happening, but it's not actually money printing. Exactly. So the uh, what actually happens is that the central bank makes loans uh, to uh, government uh, and uh, um, over and beyond uh, its own local currency resources. So the central bank has, uh, the the, uh, commercial banks uh, deposit 
uh, are required to hold a certain uh, minimum reserve uh, with the central bank, which is the clearing institution for transactions among the bank within the banking system. Uh, so that's so each bank has a, an account with the central bank, so that when checks clear and other tra- transactions clear at the end of every day, uh, they can debit or credit that account based on their position with the other banks within the system. So uh, the central bank has those resources, which it can then lend to the government. So if it lends within the limits of what it has, of the, of the liquidity that it has acquired from the banks, then there's no problem. The problem comes when it lends beyond that level, right? And it does so in local currency, uh, which then gets into the spending stream. Uh, and when that currency is spent, it, it generates a demand for imports. But there is no foreign currency that is coming, additional foreign currency that is coming in mm-hmm. to match that demand for currency, uh, for, 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 uh, imports. As a result, the lending to government is going to lead to a drawdown of the foreign reserves. And if the lending to government persists, then you're back in the situation where reserves are going to be exhausted uh, and you're not going to be able to prevent the uh, local currency from being devalued. So that's the danger of uh, lending to government in local currency. Now, if you don't have a local currency, the central bank can still lend to government. Uh, but it can only lend to government the U.S. dollars, which the uh, commercial banks will have deposited with it as part of uh, that reserve for facilitating transactions within the local banking system. So it seems like it's pretty clear that these central banks with a U.S. dollar essentially using U.S. dollars only, would make a lot of sense. So why is it then that the way the Caribbean central banks are designed are pretty much based on a a local currency that has almost limitless lending powers to the government? Like, what happened to that this became the reality in the Caribbean? Well, I think you have to, uh, you know, everything has a historical context. So uh, the central banks in the Caribbean uh, grew out of uh, currency boards, which were set up uh, during the uh, colonial period uh, 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 to uh, address, um, uh, in fact, local currencies in general were set up during, you know, to address what was a real problem, which had plagued uh, the uh, colonies and uh, far-flung dependencies of European uh, nations uh, for centuries. And that was the scarcity of means of payment. Because as I said, in those days, uh, in order to make payments, you needed actual uh, coins or uh, once banking, uh, banknotes became, uh, were developed, uh, some p- form of uh, paper uh, currency. Uh, and naturally, since, you know, uh, you had to, uh, transport these things from uh, Europe, uh, there was a big scarcity of it. Uh, and so 
uh, currency boards were established, which uh, uh, facilitated the issue of local currency with a value uh, which approximated, uh, not approximated, which was derived from the value of sterling or the Spanish peso or whatever uh, the currency was uh, in the metropolitan center from which uh, the, uh, you know, to which the, 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 the country was tied. Uh, uh, so that meant that you could, uh, by issuing this local currency, ensure that there was an adequate supply of the means of payment, which was essential for uh, the furtherance of commerce. Uh, but once uh, you had a banking system uh, which uh, had become, which over the last, I would say, five decades or so, uh, has become mainly digital and people are, ba- are making payments uh, through uh, credit and debit cards, uh, uh, checks and other uh, forms of uh, instruction rather than by use of notes and coins. Uh, that, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the currency issue actually became uh, and has become uh, less and less relevant. So that uh, if you look at the balance sheet of uh, central banks anywhere in the world now, uh, actual currency is maybe 5 to 10% uh, of uh, the um, uh, total uh, bank, uh, total uh, monetary liabilities uh, in the system. Right. So what will it take? So, for example, people might find it a bit strange that you, former Central Bank governor, you were one of the initial team that started the Central Bank of Barbados, that you would advocate for the Central Bank to have essentially no monetary policy at all, more or less. Uh, uh, It is surprising only because people... Uh, really do not understand uh, the things that I've just been dis- de- describing. So, uh, you know, I came to the central bank. I, I, I had the the enormous privilege, which a uh, few few uh, persons that I know have had, of actually helping to establish uh, a central bank from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was the the person who established the, cent- the research department of the Central Bank of Barbados. I came to the central bank with very little knowledge or interest in monetary policy. I was, a, you know, my fo- focus was on international uh, economics, uh, international development economics. Uh, but I quickly sort of uh, realized uh, that uh, the establishment of central banks was never about monetary policy. Hmm. The Central Bank of Barbados was established uh, because uh, the government of Barbados had issued uh, treasury bills for the first time a few years earlier. Uh, and the established central, uh, the established commercial banks uh, showed uh, reluctance uh, to purchase uh, the treasury bills that government had issued. So the government said, okay, we are going to establish our own central bank, and then the central bank will buy the, the, the treasury bills. So mm-hmm. among our first 
challenges uh, once the bank uh, became operational uh, was in fact uh, to limit the government's appetite uh, for issuing of treasury bills mm. uh, so that the central bank was not uh, obliged uh, to um, you know uh, put pressure of the kind that I was talking about earlier uh, on uh, the system mm. on the imports. So it was really a problem or a kind of concern from the very beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So what then will it take to move the Barbados to, let's say, terminate the Barbados currency and move to a full USD-based economy? Well, you know, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I've, 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 I've spent most of the last few years uh, writing and, and uh, t- speaking about this. Uh, and uh, nobody wants to do it, even though uh, nobody is able to bring, um, uh, you know, uh, any plausible uh, argument uh, why it should not be done awake. <laughs> Could not be done. I've, mm-hmm. I've laid out exactly how it would be done. Uh, so I'm, I, you know, I will continue to because there's no, there is no practical uh, sort of obstacle uh, to uh, such a policy in any of uh, the Caribbean countries as of right now. Every one of them has more than adequate uh, uh, foreign. Uh, U.S. dollar reserves uh, to convert every single uh, uh, liabi- uh, currency liability in local currency to uh, U.S. dollars uh, at the uh, current exchange rates, uh, and as far as the liability, the bank, the, the, the deposits and other monetary liabilities at the commercial banks, they are mainly matched uh, by an equal value of loans, advances, and other assets in local currency. So all that we required uh, uh, is uh, to uh, convert the entries on both sides of their balance sheets uh, from being denominated in the local currency to being denominated in the foreign currency. So, essentially, that, in case of Barbados, for example, one USD is two Barbados dollars. So, you would right. divide all the assets and liabilities by the banks by two, and then you would sell some reserves in the treasury bills, ship some more USD to Barbados, and distribute. Absolutely. Mm. As simple as that. <laughs> uh, but as I say, nobody wants to do it. So uh, what I see happening uh, in Barbados and elsewhere in the region uh, is that uh, uh, people are taking the law into their own hands, in a sense, mm-hmm. uh, and that everybody who has access to U.S. Uh, currency uh, is, in fact, uh, finding ways of uh, using that as their preferred means of saving. Yeah, I think anyone so, that lives in the Caribbean knows that's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've even heard some of my friends telling me these outrageous stories, for example, in Trinidad, of them trying to acquire U- uh, USD by some <laughs> very absurd Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Because, uh, um, 
you know, uh, and and once uh, places like Trinidad and, and Jamaica uh, liberalized their controls so that there was no longer any requirement uh, to uh, seek uh, central bank permission, uh, uh, as there still is in Barbados, uh, then it became, you know, sort of up to... The banks could offer U.S. dollar deposits freely. Uh, so your only constraint really was, uh, did you have access? But then now because of the different fiscal mismanagement and so on in Trinidad, it's almost impossible for people to get a large amount of USD if they want to. Remember that, that is something that, that uh, to me, uh, uh, has been uh, very puzzling because... Mm. Uh, you know, um, you know. I suppose the Trinidadians have no option. Uh, but if uh, uh, I deposit uh, U.S. dollars in a U.S. dollar account at, at my bank, then uh, you know I do not understand uh, how and why the bank can say to me that I do not have access to the, that uh, uh, to the full amount. Mm-hmm. of that deposit in US dollars. Mm-hmm. Now to me that is that is actually counterproductive because uh it is an incentive uh for people to save offshore. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. So and this is a you know persistent we guess we know this but this is a persistent problem throughout the Caribbean like a Barbados issue or a Trinidad right. issue so. uh, exactly so that um, uh, my uh, I think it is reasonable to uh, conclude uh, uh, that um, the uh, existing local currencies are going to slowly become extinct mm-hmm. you know that uh, as is happening uh, in uh, some countries already. So uh, Bermuda and Bahamas are, uh, have local currencies, but nobody bothers with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, even in the, in the, in the banking system, uh, most uh, deposits are in U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, of course, as some people might know or may not know, there are countries in Latin America, you know, very near the Caribbean, that, that's already done dollarization. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and that's, that's my, 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 my worry, that mm-hmm. uh, the Caribbean will go that way in the same way as they did. That is mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. that the local currency uh, vanishes in value. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, value, it becomes so use, useless uh, that uh, everybody is, is, is doing business in U.S. dollars anyway, uh, and they're doing it uh, in informal markets. Uh, and so the government, you know, is making a virtue of necessity uh, by saying, okay, that's what the government is going to do. Uh, and I think there are, there, there are several other governments, including Venezuela, Zimbabwe, and others, uh, where that, in my view, would make sense. Yeah, and I do a lot of, well, I did a lot of work on monetary policy in Cambodia, Kind of mm-hmm. price of price to people, but even in Cambodia, when you have the in, 
Even in Cambodia, where they use primarily U.S. currency, the government there has been trying for years now, much more attempts recently, to promote the use of the, lo- the local currency again, the, the real. But mm-hmm. what happens is people simply refuse to use it. The, mm-hmm. the, the deposits in the banks are primarily USD. There's also a very, um, there's a very, there's a very special festival they perform every year. See, uh, essentially, they go and celebrate death with their former ancestors mm. and their parents and mm. so on. And they take gifts to the grave. And they right. take like paper trucks and f- fake food or real food and fake mm-hmm. U.S. dollars. Because even in the afterlife, they think <laughs> U.S. currency is better currency. <laughs> wonderful. That's a wonderful anecdote. Yes. Yeah, no, there are several countries. Liberia is another country uh, where um, uh, I work, you know, sort of um, in... Uh, you know, on when I was at the uh, International Monetary Fund, mm-hmm. uh, I worked briefly, and uh, they spent a lot of time uh, trying to introduce their own currency. Uh, um, uh, and the fund, you know, uh, uh, thought that it was a very good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I was probably the only person on the team uh, that said that it wasn't worth uh, the effort and mm-hmm. that they would not succeed. Interesting. Okay, so one of I guess just a shift gears a bit on from monetary to more fiscal. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things I, I worry about when it comes to discussing Caribbean growth policies, if put, put it that way, or developmental policies, or whatever term is used these days, they, there is not much understanding of the capacity constraints that the Caribbean faces. These are very small countries. They don't have very sophisticated um, uh, foreign services or even you know, financial ministries or going down the line. Can you describe some of the public policy constraints that arise in the Caribbean by this particular problem? Absolutely. I think that is uh, the major uh, issue uh, and the major constraint actually on uh, development policy throughout the Caribbean. Uh, uh, and, um, the, policy, the, the, the public service has grown, uh, you know, in size, uh, but it has deteriorated very badly in quality. And so, uh, uh, it makes it, you have a situation where uh, resources, the, the, the tax resources and other resources which the uh, government uh, acquires are extremely, uh, are, are used extremely badly. Uh, they are dispersed in ways uh, that actually uh, produce little value for money. And, and we see the results uh, in the deterioration of uh, public services uh, uh, right throughout the region. Uh, you know, uh, efforts uh, to uh, um, improve administrative services, uh, the um, uh, uh, foreign, foreign, foreign representation, uh, you know, uh, there are key issues affecting uh, the terms of which on which the uh, islands of the Caribbean trade, for example, uh, key issues respect uh, with respect to the nature of uh, um, flows of all kinds. 
networks of people and so on within the region and between the region and the rest of the world. Uh, and there is no real understanding of uh, the uh, possibilities, uh, potential, and consequences of uh, uh, public policies in this in these directions, uh, and and that is actually the major hindrance uh, for. Uh, growth in the region. So uh, it is my contention uh, that uh, given uh, the advances that the Caribbean has made and given the fact that uh, most of our uh, of our of our of our uh, countries now enjoy a quality of life uh, which is superior by international uh, standards. Uh, if we were to uh, to mobilize uh, our uh, tax uh, fiscal resources in a tolerably uh, efficient manner, uh, we would be able to uh, make major strides in lifting uh, the growth rates right across the region. Uh, and, um, you know, instead of which uh, we are representing uh, ourselves as being poor and vulnerable uh, and in need of uh, additional uh, assistance and concessions. And it is absolutely not the case. Yeah, it always really annoys me use as I use deeper words that when Caribbean leaders go to these international forum it's always about being vulnerable or have like a, a fetish for disaster. It's never about ambition or progress ever. Absolutely. I mean, these if you take things like climate change mm-hmm. change and so on, the Caribbean is not uh, 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 going to disappear uh, with sea level rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuvalu and uh, and Kiribati and the Maldives will dis- disappear mm-hmm. uh, 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 with sea level rise, and, and maybe some of the uh, out islands of the of the Bahamas. Uh, but most of the Caribbean is not going to disappear until New York disappears. Right. <laughs> Because Manhattan is lower than most of the Caribbean countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one seems to want to say that. So, uh, coming to the end of, of, the, of the conversation, I'm going to bring <laughs> shoehorn in some China questions. You're going to monetary policy. So, there's a lot of talk about RMB internationalization you know, in many circles now. Do you see RMB internationalization at all impacting the monetary calculus in the Caribbean? Uh, um, not, uh, uh, as I said, I think that the, the Caribbean's, the Caribbean is, has, uh, essentially an American destiny. That's, that's, that's a reality of geography, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so, uh, but I think that, you know, what is, what is also a reality, uh, is that, uh, um, increasingly so, and, uh, uh, you know, in, in, certainly in terms of household e- uh, equipment and stuff like that, uh, the most affordable products, uh, uh, for, uh, uh, or imports, uh, in the Caribbean come from China because China's productivity is, is so extraordinary. Uh, and, you know, I've estimated that, uh, 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 selected countries within the region have been able to lift their consumption, uh, by up to 10%. 
be above what it otherwise might have been uh, if they did not have access uh, to Chinese products. Uh, and so uh, means of payment which facilitate access to those products uh, would actually, uh, direct means of payment uh, would actually be very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the moment, uh, at least officially, uh, the Chinese are saying that the digital RMB uh, is uh, only for uh, domestic use. Uh, and, you know, uh, banking systems are, are not going to, uh, uh, you know, we don't have bank uh, branches and so on in 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 the Caribbean uh, of Chinese banks uh, where, where we can do you know normal ATM type uh, or even uh, uh, use uh, WeChat Pay and things like that, mm-hmm. that which are commonplace in 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 in, in China. Uh, so I think that uh, unless and until uh, the uh, Chinese uh, make available to the region some form of digital payment system which gives direct access uh, to the goods and services that we import from them. I, I can see no real change in uh, the monetary dynamics uh, in the Caribbean. But what, what would that look like if that was the case? Would, for example, you would still advocate for the Caribbean countries to have the usd as the main money entirely but then also have uh how would how would that work with uh, say direct access to rmb in your, in your view uh so uh um some proportion of uh the um well it would depend on 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 on, on uh having a payments mechanism uh, which uh, exchanged uh, um, the U.S. dollar, assuming that we had switched to the U.S. dollar, mm-hmm. uh, to RNB. Uh, so I think, you know, you might have a better uh, sort of appreciation of, of how that might work <laughs> than I do from your experience in Panama. I mean, uh, um, uh uh, presumably, banks in Panama trade in RMB. You know, mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, right. So it would be the same. You know, uh, uh, whereas uh, they certainly do not trade in Barbados dollars. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a, a lot easier because you can access RMB liquidity via U.S. markets a lot easier <laughs> than if you have some exactly. Caribbean currency. Right. Okay. So, yeah, that is the end of my questions. Uh, actually, before I go, no, let me ask one more question. I'll edit it out. Um, I'm sure someone's going to ask this question uh, after the show is posted. What, what's your view on a Caribbean monetary union? I think that uh, um, uh, a monetary union, which, so I think that that, that the only that that will in effect become a moot question uh uh once uh every the country's uh sort of uh um the the the, the local currencies disappear uh so you know i think that that 
a Caribbean monetary union uh, does make sense. And for, you know, I, I, I have argued for many decades for a, 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 a currency union mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, because it would give uh, some degree of uh, domestic uh, you know, the space, for example, that I mentioned, uh, that monetary policy offers in case that you're, uh, have a shock to your balance of payments and so on. Uh, and it would be a form, it would have been a form of, uh, pooling of reserves so that, you know, if, uh, you know, it would, it wouldn't have much with COVID that affects everybody. Uh, but if there are hurricanes, for example, uh, as happens in the, in the ECCU. So the ECCU, uh, is a small monetary union within the region. Uh, and if you look at the ECCU, EC, the East Caribbean, uh, central banks about, uh, foreign reserves positions, you'll find that uh, there are only a very few occasions on which uh, they they have lost foreign reserves, even when even though the incidence of hurricanes, for example, particularly in the uh, um, in the northern um, uh, uh, islands of the Lesser Antilles, uh, has been uh, quite frequent, uh, and that is because. Um, you know, you need an event that will hit everybody, uh, to really make, uh, have, uh, an overall impact. So, you know, you shared the impact. So, a monetary union would have made, uh, uh, good sense for all of these reasons. Uh, but a monetary union is now not practical. So, uh, I don't think there's much thought, uh, and there's not much, um, point in, 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 in having a discussion about it. Thank you so much, Dr. Warren, for this fascinating conversation. Um, do you have any final thoughts to impart? Uh, no, thanks. I, I, I value the conversation. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, you know, expand on some of these points. And uh, um, I hope it will, you know, I, I'm, as you can see, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate for uh, um, a return to uh, sensible economic policy within the region. I think it will be uh, uh, that is the way forward uh, for uh, a region which is falling down on the uh, possibilities uh, for its own development. There must be something she can do. This heart is broken in two. 